The following program contains irreverent humor, brilliant insights, and story elements from television or film that may give away important details. We got spoilers, or as they say in Klingon, Gumaka. Don't say we didn't warn you. The 1968 episode of Star Trek's Plato's Stepchildren features a groundbreaking moment as television's first scripted interracial kiss, when William Shatner locks lips with Nichelle Nichols. Since then, every Star Trek series has tried to live up to the original's legacy of diversity, especially when it comes to sex and romance. In the mid-season finale on Star Trek Discovery, Into the Forest I Go, we see a full-on nude scene between Lieutenant Ash and Klingon warrior Laurel. While everyone is mesmerized at seeing Klingon boobs for the first time, we have to ask ourselves, is this sex, rape, or a brutal medical process? Oh, and just before everything goes to hell, Lieutenant Stamets and Dr. Hugh Culver share the series' first man-on-man gay kiss. What the track? Welcome to the podcast where we fabulously explore all the strange new episodes from the TV series Star Trek Discovery. I'm your ship's captain, Fausto Fernos, whose true love is the starship I command. Which, come to think of it, gives a whole new meaning to going down with the ship. Oh, and please meet my other love, my husband and first officer, Mark Felian, who boldly hoes where no hoes gone before. Hey, I work hard for the Latinum, so you better treat me right. (laughs) Welcome our ship sex therapist, Colette Gregory, whose mind is really smart, but her body is stupid. No disrespect. I don't eat meat because I'm a veterinarian. <laughs> what? And, <laughs> and our ship science officer, Brian Sweeney, whose only trouble with tribbles is getting them out of his butt. Ah, yes. You have to freeze them and remove <laughs> their nails before you put them in a roll of paper so that it climbs into your butthole. Mm, but the question is, uh, did the tribbles give you consent? Oh, it gave me more than that. (laughs) (laughs) You can see a doctor about that. Since the beginning of Star Trek, all the way up until Discovery, the Mm. show has been a pioneer in having uh, some unusual relationships between humans and humanoid species. Mm. In the 1960s, it was the first interracial kiss between William Shatner and Michelle Nichols, when Kirk and Uhura were forced to kiss each other, but they liked it. But they liked it, and originally the the uh, it was so, it was supposed to be blocked by like a potted plant or something. It was supposed to be insinuated, but um, William Shatner was so. Um, insistent that the same-sex kiss be shown, that he ruined all the other takes. Interracial sex. Yes. (laughs) Interracial kiss, not same-sex. I'm sorry, yes. The interracial kiss was so important Mm -hmm. to show that he ruined all the other takes. That is Shatner's dubious claim, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and let's let's just give it to him. I don't believe that at all, but okay. Uh, Because he's kind of an asshole and you're just like, he probably ruins takes all the time? No, I just don't, I don't think that that ever, I don't think that he thought like, no, it must be seen. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't believe that at all. So do you think that it was, like, the director who said that that's why it happened? Like, someone else higher up with an agenda? 
No, I well, not necessarily. It was just I think that it happened, but I don't think William Shatner took it upon himself and said like I'm going to blow all these other takes because he, he wants to take he wants to take credit for. Yes, well, it. you have to, to. I mean, he has stories. All you need stories when you've been talking wait about Star Trek for Wait a minute, wait a minute. White men years. do not take credit for other people's stuff, <laughs> Brian. Like, come on, <laughs> have you met them? Well, it's an important part of history, mm-hmm. and it's an important part of uh, social justice history, and in sci-fi history. And now today, uh, I guess it was uh, last week, right? Um, Star Trek aired its first gay male kiss in the franchise. Gay interracial kiss. Gay interracial kiss in the franchise 50-year history. And uh, they said with a statement from the show's producers, you can turn your TV off, sure, but you'll only be cheating yourself. <laughs> now, this was the first gay kiss. They did have a lesbian kiss before in Deep Space Nine and rejoined, but that was in the evil universe, right? Yeah. No, there no. was, uh, no, uh, Dax and a woman kissed. Ah. But, but they excused it because Dax and the woman were like, uh, multi-generational gender species. So even though they visually look like two women kissing, it was uh, old man. And Hello, old man. Old man Dax <laughs> kissing his uh, younger uh, multi-generational wife. Yeah, it was Dax when uh, the Dax symbiote was in a, a male. That, that was when he was married to this woman and whatever. Uh, again, two, in different bodies. But two broads kissed. Mm. And so uh, I thought it was really interesting uh, to sort of talk about, and sort of, this is a series finale in our season finale. No, mid-season. Uh, mid-season. mid-season cliffhanger. The cliffhanger um, before we go into winter break and come back in the spring. Um, January. Uh, is, is January not part of spring? Or no. I, the season? <laughs> no. That you live winter. in Chicago. What time of year do you winter. think January is? So this is called the fall season, correct? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And is there a winter season of Star Trek? Well, January is considered winter, so yeah. So what so would you call this uh, this next season? I'm curious to know. It's the same it's season. It's, it's same just season. a break. So it's, it's a mid-season break. break. So are we calling break. it the 2017-2018 season? We're just calling it the first season? I'm just curious to know. I'm, I'm, it's I'm, the it, return. Is, it's season one, but okay. there's... Yeah. So we're mid, breaking that before the break, break of the mid season. Yeah, and then they're yeah. gonna. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's a. Where the well, hell are we talking about? <laughs> yes, sexuality. It's interesting to do a show on sci-fi with a lot of people who want to be very precise with their language, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Sure. Um, so let's talk about some of the sexy moments and some of the gender and sexual unconventional moments in the show's fifty-year history, because you know certainly Star Trek is. Uh, boldly gone where no man or gender non-binary person has gone before, but sometimes it, it, the results are a little bit hilarious or outrageous or awkward. And certainly Plato's stepchildren was, I would consider, a very important and, and actually a very good moment when you had that interracial kiss between Kirk and Uhura. Would yes, you guys the, agree with the that? The first uh, interracial kiss in scripted television history. Mm. It was like a week or two before, a few, a little while before Sammy Davis Jr. kissed Nancy Sinatra on some show. So it's the it's not the first interracial kiss on television. It's the right. second one, I guess. But do you it's just the, like have like a diary of every he, time yeah, an does. interracial kiss occurred? <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to know. I mean, I get outraged by it all over oh, okay. again whenever I turn around. What was your first interracial kiss? Uh, like seventh grade. Okay, I he was down oh, with I the, the first, first grade. Early. Okay, first her name was nice. Clara. 
Oh. <laughs> in college, baby. Nitra. Um, I, I still never have. So if any white boys, you know, want to help a sister out, oh, please, all you know where boys. to yeah, find you me. Your boyfriends are white. <laughs> still have not. So help a sister out. That's my wish for Christmas to well, get down with the swirl. Well, from what I understand too is that that first kiss, you know, was so controversial that in some places they didn't even air that episode in the Deep South, right? Yeah, not even deep. I think it was just normal South. Normal yeah, South. Not good. Some places are like, this is not going to happen, even though, you know, white people and black people had been having sex in the South for mm-hmm. hundreds of years. Well, Roseanne had an episode where, like, Mariel oh, yeah. Hemingway kissed her, and the South uh, didn't air that either. It was a big deal. That was the 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a Dawson's Creek episode that, like, it was a problem because people kissed. I think a guy and a guy kissed. I think mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, there's some gay on gay action. But going back Creek. to Star Trek, let's not forget when Tom Paris became a giant space slug. <laughs> and he's Speciality is fine. And he made... He did, on Voyager. Yeah, yeah, on Voyager. And he... Uh, and broke he the warp barrier. Janeway. He kidnapped Janeway her and impregnated her with space slugs and she became a space slug. They had babies. They did have babies. And they just left those babies on that planet. They did. But at least they did not abort them. That is true. (laughs) That's all that matters. Do not abort your slug babies. Listen, it's a salamander's choice to to whether it's going to have those kids or not. Can you imagine being like on a ship and it's someone who became a space slug and then kidnapped you and inserted baby slugs into you and you just have to, you get the next week, you have to just keep acting like nothing happened? (laughs) Well, they kind of did with that series. They kind of like wrote that one up. Because yeah. it's very out of canon. Well, and it's one of, they say it's probably one of the worst Voyager episodes ever. Worst Star Trek episodes. Mm-hmm. Say. Yeah, it's a, yeah, the Voyager had the reset button after every. So, <laughs> yes, there's those. That was a weird sexiness. Now, uh, a lot of the, the actors throughout the years have been asked why have there not been uh, openly gay characters or same sex kisses in Star Trek. And. Uh, Kate Mulgrew said it's like because, you know, Star Trek is built. What? How did Kate Mulgrew say it? Oh, I, I don't know <laughs> which well, joke you, you want me to. Kate you do Kate Mulgrew all the time. Oh, seven. Yes. Because, because the show is stuck in the, in the 20th century, not the 21st century. Uh, I need a bath. Uh, seven, I want you to come into my ready room. <laughs> Why do they call this your ready room, Captain? Because I think you're ready for your first Borg-gasm. Get ready. I'm going to get... <laughs> let me dig some coffee out of that nebula. <laughs> but so, so actually, Gene Roddenberry, and there was a lot of discussion, or I guess, you know, in interviews, they had uh, considered the idea of having a gay character. Uh, but as, as far as what they actually manifested in The Next Generation was putting skirts on men. And Dude, so in the yes. first season... Cool. Uh, there are scenes, and even like you know, Picard, Picard. and uh, Riker are wearing their formal skirted uniforms, <laughs> which are very yeah. pretty. But they, they look yeah, like pretty ladies. Not just that, in casual, they wore skorts, where because that was like one of Gene Roddenberry's ideas. And if you watch the first season, you can just see like background characters just walking around, like in casual wear, in skirts, just like long over like maternity clothes. It was bad. Yeah, that it was that that got phased out. And it seems like Riker was always a uh, um, Jonathan Frakes has always been at the center of a lot of the uh, gender and sexual n- non-conforming aspects of Star Trek. In the episode, the the Outcast, 
Riker falls in love with a person from the planet of gender-neutral lesbians. Which is a long name for a planet. Janai. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Janai, mm-hmm. where I guess they, they, they reproduce, no they, they have no gender, gender but hence the Janai. Yeah, but they're all pretty much, the actors are, seem to be all played by women. Like the founders, mm. like the uh, the shapeshifters. Mm. The and and I guess in the, this planet, they reproduce by sticking their babies in corn husks, which is very lesbian. That's very Midwestern. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do here. They inseminate right? a husk. They inseminate something. a husk, mm-hmm. and then they write folk songs about it. <laughs> <laughs> and just like um, a lot of, uh, what is it, TERFs? Um, what is it? Transclusionary ter- radical feminists. This planet also did not accept somebody who was uh, uh, not fitting with their vision right. of gender and sexual definition. Because Riker falls in love with a person who really made, he made this person feel like a woman. Yeah, he whipped Ooh. it out and just started slapping it in the face. <laughs> She's like, you I'm a chick. Stop doing that, Brian. And so the, 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 mm. you know, the people there, they didn't like that, so they like, they sent her to like a a, a, a camp, a conversion therapy camp, and Little guess what? She, <laughs> she came back, or they came back, and they were genderless again. So it worked. Conversion therapy works in <laughs> sci-fi. The planet of jean jackets and fixed-geared bikes. <laughs> Just kept going. <laughs> so was that was that episode successful in sort of uh, give, expanding people's minds on what is possible and what can and expanding people's hearts? Uh, I think that it did more. It was more like what the fuck. It kind of like was like hey, a little bit of like they they went into it trying to tell a. A bigger story, like about uh, sexuality and uh, possibly like gay or lesbian or non-gender conforming, and instead they just made it more safe and to the, so that it would be more palpable, and so it kind of becomes no, a nothing episode, like an okay, fine episode, but it's like you you didn't go far enough. At all, I felt so like it now it's been longer and more deeper, and also too, it's like you know, it's under unlike that lens his of like, dick. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, long. It was done in the eighties and nineties, and our ideas <laughs> about gender, you know, have changed so much. I think since that time, so I think it would it'd be uh, we'd ha- tell a different story today. Yes, for sure. And then and in, in, uh, Enterprise uh, Trip gets pregnant in the episode Unexpected, which was the fourth episode of the season, by eating Jello shots. <sighs> If yes. I had a dime, <laughs> yeah, those, those, I don't know how Enterprise didn't become a runaway success with great. Because didn't he get like a like nipple like on his arm or something like that? He got, he got the nipple because he's going to feed the baby from his wrist. And then the the doctor's like, "Well, I think you're uh, you're you're pregnant right now." <laughs> That's the beloved character, Doctor Flox. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably the geekiest. Know, like, his face would explode if he got mad at you until season four. But <laughs> Ener- like, what? <laughs> but Enterprise did have a beagle in it. Oh. Which makes it the best of all Star Trek series. Yeah. Porthos. Now, Porto. interestingly, Porto. I found Porto. this Porto. in the episode The Offspring. Whoopi Goldberg was, you know, I guess uh, Dada has a child. Lal. Lal. Mm-hmm. And Lal goes on around the ship and goes, what is sex? What is love? What are, you know, asking all the questions a child would. And Whoopi Goldberg uh, normally was going to explain that when a man and a woman love each other very much, mm-hmm. but then uh, Whoopi Goldberg insisted in changing it when two people. Then she changed Aww. it again and just 
opened up her legs and started playing with herself <laughs> and was like, watch this, and she squirted no, all over. No, and and she, she no, was an android, so she started malfunctioning because she got happened. wet, and that was the end of the episode. That was that porn you made me watch last week to get those oh. confused. I don't think it made you watch. I mean, you were like strongly suggested. That's yes. why they call her Whoopi, yeah. honey. Yeah, Whoopi, honey. That's what whoopee. she squirted. And now uh, we have, uh, what is it? We have, um, but you also, you, yeah. listen, you got to talk about First Contact, where Riker has sex with an alien as a way to escape. So he's undercover in Not the movie, as the an episode. alien. As an episode, yes, season four, episode 15. Lilith. And, and Lilith from Frasier, B.B. Newark, Star Chicago. Star Chicago. It helps him escape, but she's like, I'll only help you if you have sex with me, because it's been my wild yeah. fantasy to have sex with an alien. That's coercion. That is coercion. He's just getting out of the hospital bed. He's like all beat up. They don't know if he's going to live or not, but yet he still has to, like, who knows? Maybe he just feels like, he's like, hey, this is how we do it on my planet. He just like pokes her with okay. his finger. Well, look, no, come on, man. Riker, BB Newworth is hot. Like, yeah. he, sometimes you got to fuck your way out of places. We've all been there. <laughs> There's only one way out that door, and it's through her butthole. <laughs> What? <laughs> Just, uh, someone tells me that Brian is not been having sex the right way. It doesn't matter. You're saying butthole sex is not no, the but right you way. Don't How go dare you? A butthole is what I'm saying. Sometimes you do. Anyway, <clears throat> poke through. If so you get first past that first sphincter, and then if you make it past that second sphincter, you're okay. So you know, for being a show that takes place in a very enlightened, egalitarian mm. universe, uh, people have always been asking, "Where are the gender and sexual nonconforming people?" And mm -hmm. and finally, we're starting to see that in Discovery with the casting of Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz as a. Uh, Cast members for the musical Rent. Hey. And, you know. And did you see that little nod to Rent yes. at the end of the episode when uh, Stamen says to him, Oh, I heard that there is a great room next to the opera house and we can go see La Boheme, which of course is the opera which Rent is based on. Mm. So that was a nice little wink right there. And there were well, seven. Because, hold on. Because oh. Anthony Rapp played aspiring filmmaker Mark Cohen. He originated the role on Broadway and Wilson Cruz mm -hmm. played Angel. The the gender non-binary sex worker. Uh-huh. In 1998 in Rent, yeah. They also have a bunch of uh, the crew members on Discovery just started dying of AIDS, which was a really <laughs> nice reference to Rent. That was the other porn you made me oh. watch. That oh, one the, was sad. Yeah, that was really sad. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, they die from consumption, which yes. I guess is what? Tuberculosis? Yeah. They got yeah. the umption. And, you know, it's, it's very... I think Star Trek sometimes... Th puts things very simple so everybody can understand it. He's like, one day before retirement, one last jump. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Yeah, and it was like, don't worry. Don't oh, do I got one more day to retirement. Then mm -hmm. I'm going to go on a boat and everything will be fun. Yeah, yes, it was... One song, Glory, from Rent. Well, we'll it, was, it was crazy that they... Like the second before he went in to get... Uh, to Spore Jump, they did like, hey, not only do I love you... But let's plan our future. I want to live forever. And then he just gets in there and blows up or whatever. His well, brain explodes. <laughs> or, he, or did he Gary Mitchell? He comes out kind of really evil. And he's like, <laughs> something is not quite right because they jumped not into another 
to an part unknown. of the universe, mm-hmm. but into another dimension. Also. Yeah, they well, don't know where they are. Yeah, unknown destination. And you, and you can, people have zoomed in on the uh, little panel that had all the mm-hmm. jumps, and then they had one that says like uh, Lorca override. And so, uh, you know, did, did the captain override it or did somebody oh, else Oh, maybe over- because he found out Cromwell got uh, mm-hmm. rescued. So maybe he did something. Uh, or also, too, we uh, heard in the uh, the episode with Harry Mudd that the, the captain's chair is not a critical system. So maybe somebody else got in there and changed mm-hmm. it and used Lorca's passwords. See, but they said 33 jumps. So he had already done 33 jumps. 133, right? 133 jumps. So... Uh, I don't know why he would be putting in the 133 unless they started at zero, but mm. whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this would be the 134. And then also to that conversation between Stamets and Lorca, it was all very kind of like I felt like they were winking at each other, and they both kind of knew what each other meant. We'll have right? to watch that again and see. Well, because like, Lorca mm-hmm. quietly says under his breath, "Let's go." really home you know <laughs> and he's kind of just like sets that up to mm-hmm. there's something else happening right. that, that, that we're not privy to and so that's the big big cliffhanger for when we come back uh, in January uh, well it's was still he winter, in on it is that like where are they and what's going on but in terms of sexuality the most outrageous the most uh, controversial the most kinkiest is uh, Ash, Tyler, Ooh. and Laurel's sex scene where we see Klingon boobies. Not just boobies. We see like boobies. full on nips. Nips and boobs. There are some nips there. Yeah, are we to believe that Klingons breastfeed? Probably. They bite really hard. Why but else they, would you have breasts? I don't know, but they look like... They look hard. They, yeah, they look like they look armor. Like armor. It, Maybe they're just really muscular. A Klingon baby feeds on the nipples of the. <laughs> <laughs> so they just blood. Right. They pierce them and suck the blood out of them. They're like vampire like babies. But well, she know. wasn't milky then, so who knows? Like maybe when they're full of milk, they're like fleshier. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe something happens. I'm sure you, know. you can find that on the interwebs. Also, too, it's like you have like <laughs> the question here is though too, you know, is it is it is it. What what's going on there? Is it a sexual assault? Because he's saying that he was held captive on her ship because he she took an interest in him and he just you know had did sex what with he her had to do to survive in order to survive. Yeah, and so well, it's I mean, like, he also or she's. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. I guess you could say implied. I guess because they never say it, mm-hmm. but it is. He, they're basically. It's he was raped repeatedly yeah. by this woman. Uh, whatever is going on by Laurel, yeah, by Laurel um, from Dream Girls. Mm-hmm. Oh, L'Oreal. Well, I think that there definitely was some sexual assault involved, but there was possibly some type of uh, mind change type operation thing. We saw a, a circle saw. We know that he went up to her at the end while she was in the the prison in the holding pen and was like, uh, "What what did you do to me?" So you know, there's still that theory that perhaps uh, she put the uh, albino Klingon into into him some type of way. Ouch! So or I think it just- might have been flashback. While they surgery. I mean, people into some <laughs> freaky stuff nowadays. Well, yeah, you get know? one in the butt, and then she's mm-hmm. like on top of you, right. riding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is how the surgery. So happens. the question is: yes. Is he Ash Tyler with like the Klingon's brain, like kind of like hidden in there as a spy, uh, or did they do an operation on on Vok, Vok and the albino, and, and to create him into Ash Tyler? Mm-hmm. It would be cool if he's like a sleeper agent that gets like. Uh, and I oh, wish well, okay. there's a lot of ways that they could have made this entire show better. But like this, I think is would be much more interesting 
if he didn't know that he was being controlled, mm-hmm. but she like had a way of like whatever a word to switch him on and then give all the information that she needs and then he can switch her off and then so like we the audience know like oh shit and but he doesn't know so Mm -hmm. i think think it's clear he doesn't know that he's klingon right yes that's obvious but i don't think maybe and maybe it's the actor but him just becoming a mess and like sobbing and being is not Interesting. I don't th- like. I, I don't think that that's the most interesting way that they could have handled this. I I think that they. I mean, it was very um, similar to like someone who has PTSD when you're triggered. So you uh, are in a situation that's similar to the situation uh, that gave you the PTSD. So that traumatic event. And so those reactions are very similar to someone, um, you know, kind of getting to the fetal position, breathing hard, having flashbacks, uh, your your heart racing, going in out of consciousness. That's just dissociation. So it was very an, an accurate, I would say, depiction of what PTSD triggering would look like. And so I think that's what they chose to do um, in that in that piece. And that was a, a, a nice homage to people who are survivors of sexual assault. But here's the situation where the writers of Star Trek are going to get into really sticky territory when they return in January is if they show the rape scene was a side effect of Mm -hmm. the of the transformation. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he wasn't really raped. Mm -hmm. Then we get into this territory that, you know. All, not all rapes are, they're mm-hmm. all in your head or, you know, do you yeah. want to say? Well, so there's this it, question of really consent, right? Because yeah. he didn't consent to having uh, yeah. himself become part Klingon and part of him who is Ash Tyler would not consent to having sex with this mm-hmm. Klingon woman. So, um, but no, but I think the point Faust is trying to make is mm-hmm. like this idea of like them having that sex is that it, he's, he's, he's seeing this as a violation, but really what's happening is like, he's imagining this operation that turned him into Ash Tyler. Ah, uh, so that's just kind he's of seeing like, it as sexual assault when it's just assault, but when really it's just it's this whatever process. Well, why was her titties out during the operation? That's not sanitary. <laughs> I don't know what kind of operations y'all be having yeah. when the doctors got their titties out. She's a warrior. Legitimate mm-hmm. rape, or you know, because mm-hmm. the body, the Klingon body has it a way reject, of shutting yeah. that. It'll shut down. that down. But there's, uh, there's, yeah, it's also, um, it, it could. I assumed I poss- it could possibly be. Consensual sex between two Klingon, two mm-hmm. Cole and uh, Laurel, mm-hmm. and then, but he doesn't remember. Right. Right. So you what he's Valk getting, Laurel, Valk and Laurel. Valk and Laurel. So like yeah. what he's getting is flashbacks to when he was a Klingon mm-hmm. and thinking and turning it into like, oh no, it's ra- so it's just someone who doesn't mm-hmm. remember. Mm-hmm. Like and Klingon sex is is very violent as we've and, seen, like yeah. Deep Space Nine. It's like you know Dax had to go to the hospital all the time because she was getting broken bruises, you know, broken yeah. ribs and stuff. <laughs> And well, women. Neelix had sex with a Klingon lady uh, in in uh, Voyager. He, oh, that's Imagine right. Imagine what his dick looks like. Oh, it probably looks. And like he liked it. He, he could he could take a beat pounding. He oh, could take a lick. He's a thick guy. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's uh, where's um who was the the Klingon lady in Voyager? With she was hot after somebody. Was uh, Harry Kim? She was hot. Harry Kim. She, he could never put up. You know, he could. He's a wuss. Yeah. You know, and so, <laughs> so, so Neelix turns to Harry Kim and says, "Don't I'll worry, take I'll take care from here." You know, gives good umlock. <laughs> I wonder if That's Klingon do. You know, I know. Aww. But Stamets and Hugh, when they kissed, there was a line that said somebody behind them, right, right when they uh, kissed, said. Shall we dock? And I was like, oh, shit, this show's going to get gay as fuck. 
And then Explain docking out there for people that don't oh. know what docking is. I mean, I think all of you understand. It's an anal when, sex term? No. no. When a man loves another man and they both have foreskin, or at least one of them uh. has foreskin, one <laughs> man will put his dick into the other man's foreskin and like jerk it back and forth, I guess. Yeah. It's a Nobody very beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing that men do. Mm-hmm. Docking. We're doing it right now, actually. Mark and I. <laughs> is under that what's going on under yeah. this table? You could, I yeah. thought that that was the dog. You know Do Klingons huh. use anesthesia in, in their surgery? Because that I can imagine that then would be twice as painful if they didn't. I don't know. There was that episode where Worf uh, broke his back. Or he, he couldn't walk. They, so. they wanted to be, he's like begging people to kill him, right? Yeah, he's like, Alexander, you must kill me. Um, but <laughs> I I don't remember if he was taken out with the hypo or, or not. I would assume Klingons don't because they're like, no, there is no honor in being. He's like, pain builds us. So probably not. Probably no answer. Yeah, but if you're, if you're doing brain surgery on a, Vul- uh, on a Klingon, you don't want them awake. You might they'd be like thrashing around. Well, mm. you do, don't you? But no, you need to be awake when you're doing brain oh, surgery. Oh, maybe for brain surgery, that's you the do, thing. Or well, if sure. you're doing open heart surgery, you'd be like, I'm they have okay. two, two hearts, I believe. Klingons have two hearts. So I the question is, how did Laurel, if Ash is Vok, if Ash is an undercover right. Klingon, and he's not aware or somehow has forgotten about this procedure mm-hmm. that has been going on, what kind of anesthesia did they use? Because if if it's uh, you know, if it's hurting a Klingon's pride to receive anesthesia during surgery, mm. then how are they able to perform this act and have it to be erased from his memory? Mm. Or is all the pain and suffering they went through the surgery now manifesting itself as trauma? So these are, you know, interesting and difficult and sticky situations mm-hmm. for the writers to get into. And certainly, you know, uh, I don't sure if... Discovery was they would be aware of how aware we would be as a society in, you know, the in December of 2017 when it comes to sexual assault. Right? It's all we talk about now. Ooh. So so it's it's uh, interesting that, you know, maybe Star Trek was visionary in this or now they're just going to be like. Or they caused it. Ooh. JK. <laughs> well, and, and part of it is, you know. So when they come back in in the spring mm-hmm. uh, or, or January, um, they're going to be looking at the challenges as screenwriters of trying to make their show feel relevant and not mm-hmm. outdated mm-hmm. In, the, in the way our society has changed mm-hmm. in our perceptions about sexual assault and violence and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really interesting to see that. I'm looking forward to that. Now, I'm really also excited about Stamets. Uh, get being Gary Mitchell, and I guess Brian. What do you mean by Gary Mitchell? Yeah, what is that? Brian, can you explain what the Gary Mitchell episode of Star Trek is? Because you do a good job of that. In the second pilot, <laughs> the uh, it's episode two because the first pilot, the cage, wasn't accepted. They made a second pilot, uh, and it's the first one with uh, William Shatner as Captain Kirk. Um, a crewman, uh, they go into uh, beyond the beyond in the, to the middle of the universe or something, and um, they go beyond their galaxy or shit. And um, when they get there, uh, uh, a crewman, Gary Mitchell, gets like godlike powers, and he slowly becomes god. And then Kirk has to kill him at the end, and so that's it. That's that's and a, so, so, so he, that he was able to some humble anything. person wrestling with the fact that now they can see everything and do anything. Yeah, and he I mean he basically became like a Q 
Mm. And so, and it's sometimes one interesting thing, and, and this is always a trope in in Hollywood and in science fiction, is when people get really smart, they become real assholes mm-hmm. and evil and evil. And it's never like you know, like intelligence or knowledge is never associated with uh, be, uh, you know kindness or altruism. It's always the more you know, the uh, m- more harm you want to do onto other people. Mm-hmm. So it's very like anti-intellectualism. Yeah. It's like hubris, you know, like absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so I guess they're seeing it's like absolute power of the mind corrupts absolutely, thinking that you know better than everyone else. And so you don't have to take their opinions into account. Mm. And you but just wouldn't a take true over. intelligence imply that there is ambiguity in knowledge and that um, a, a truly knowledgeable, truly wise person would create room for a variety of information and opinions? I think that that um, requires emotional intelligence as well. Well, and hence... So- Mm-hmm. Right. If yeah. they become really smart, wouldn't you then infer that they would also be emotionally intelligent? As you well? would hope so. Well, they take us. I think that it's also it's just become such a trope that very smart people are jerks and at 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 best jerks like Sherlock Holmes or whatever, and then at worst evil. They're super geniuses, which is Lex Luthor. Yeah, or they always have social type of autistic type. Uh, problems like dealing with people or whatever. There's always a social awkwardness. Um, Steve Jobs. Yeah, but being wise, I think, is uh, separate from mm. being super intelligent mm-hmm. because there's also like the Tony Stark intelligence where you also have like an arrogance and a bit of like Asperger's or something. And I would feel like the only film or television, there's a couple of moments where, you know, intelligence or knowledge have been benign or kind. And one of them is uh, that I'm really interested in is the movie Her uh, that was just recently out where um, basically an an intelligent operating system. Who is the star of Her? Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson's voice. And yeah. And Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with uh, Scarlett Mm -hmm. Johansson's voice, who Mm -hmm. is a a intelligent Mm -hmm. operating system that evolves into something much bigger. Mm -hmm. But the way she breaks up with him is a really like kind and, in generous way mm-hmm. and we're like we're leaving you know we're part of humanity we're not gonna hurt you we're just going someplace else thanks mm-hmm. so, thanks for everything lots of hugs and kisses bye <laughs> well she started hanging out with other people and being yeah. interested other in other machines yeah well she was <laughs> she had more knowledge yeah. of and it's it's like a real it was a very realistic portrayal of what relationships are and when you stop when you stop growing together uh, the person is going to become different and you aren't going to be the same people anymore. And one of you is going to lose like the person. But the, the you know, the Scarlett Johansson character could have been malevolent to some degree. Uh, she had unprecedented access to people's privacy and data and knowledge. And they were not interested in that. They were interested in, in exploring their knowledge and their consciousness and their universe and and sort of leaving uh, that relationship behind, but not you know, kicking the them on the way out, mm-hmm. and and so I, I I wish that more science fiction writers would take, uh, you know, a, a more altruistic approach towards looking at knowledge because ultimately I think it sends a really negative message out there to the general public that learning things makes you an asshole, so mm-hmm. stay dumb, don't read, don't go to school, don't go to college. I think that is a big 
thing that's probably just sort of built into us um, and has been since stories were t- stories were told that someone with ultimate knowledge is not to be trusted because the only person that's to be that's supposed to have ultimate knowledge is God or a God-like person. Mm-hmm. And it also helps us feel better for not knowing things. Mm-hmm. So the heroes will always be like, you know, simple people, simple farm boys, mm-hmm. you know, and then it could be anybody. Could be yes. And, and uh, the knowledge is, a, you know, the serpent with the apple in the Garden of Eden, right? Yes. The apple. And, you know, I think that holds us back as a society. And certainly like science fiction, television, films have a good opportunity to sort of encourage, you know, Star Trek's certainly been a series that inspired people to seek uh, knowledge in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. STEM. STEM, baby. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to, to forget about that aspect, that trope, I think, uh, does the series a disservice. But there is, like, yes, it's more uh, important, I think, also to have a well-rounded education or intelligence than it is to have specific intelligence, like only understanding mathematics or something like that, as opposed to also having mathematics and like pop culture knowledge or knowledge about the arts or something so that you can relate to people and normal people better and not have to just keep going up to finding people that uh, have the exact same intelligence or uh frames of reference as you yeah it's certainly specialization is is the toxic aspect of that but um certainly starfleet and star trek uh goes out of its way to showcase that everybody knows how to play a musical instrument everybody has hobbies everybody has uh passions and shakespeare shakespeare everyone reads shakespeare and can mm-hmm. quote it you know and, and i think that's actually a really great thing is that you know it's it, a lot of people in, a lot of the characters in star trek know how to build the ship fly the ship Cook in the kitchen, uh, make love to to and and bond with strange aliens, mm-hmm. and uh, they can play musical instruments, and they're usually generally well-rounded individuals. And I look forward to seeing that in Discovery in the coming seasons. Is is, is sort of showing that multidisciplinary nature of Starfleet. Yes, looking forward, this is how like this episode I felt. Uh, was fine it was it was a lot to me it reminded me of the jj abrams star treks because lens flare they just moved really fast so you didn't have time to think about anything but like there was so much like dumb in it like that just like for what for what example well in the beginning captain Lorca's like uh Mr. Tyler, you go over the Klingon ship, and then he's like, burn him, and she, he's like, absolutely not. And it's like, why? Why are you saying no to burn him? Because like, he needs her. For what? I don't know. Yeah, I, exactly. They don't tell us anything. Tell but us- also, why have Ash Tyler, he knows that this guy is not... See, like, I hope that it becomes... It, it comes out that Lorca is actually know, has known all of this stuff, and it's well, not just mm-hmm. because the plot is telling us that it has to happen this right. way, but it's like like Lorca had the PTSD moment where he couldn't move because Burnham had to be the hero. And so, like, the way that they you made Tyler. You Tyler. Tyler, mm-hmm. Tyler had the PTSD moment when he was on the Klingon ship, and he's like, oh, stay here or whatever, so that Burnham could do it by herself and get into this idiotic fight scene with the Klingon. Which but was, she got Michelle Jojo's, you know. It was cool. Philippa Jojo's. Also, Giorgio. <laughs> people's real yeah. names and fake it's names. It's hard to, like, Michelle uh, Yo. know who's, who's, what the characters' names are. Even We've just well, gone died, through you know. half a season right now. 
and we still don't know anybody's names or you uh, know. Listen, on my document, I have all I the know. names listed. The <laughs> fact that so you, you have to write to down the names. They're just not invested. Mm-hmm. They haven't created an opportunity for us to get invested mm-hmm. in these people, it, especially yeah. Giorgio, yeah. Uh, like Michelle Yao. They don't tell us. They've never shown us a reason why this person was so important or like why she was so good. Lorca is seems like a good captain. I like that he he's more of like the Cisco captain, but he reminds me of Cisco captain in what way? Uh, the, that he's less about like explaining himself and more about like you're gonna do it because I gave you an order. Like mm. he's very like father or what or like teacher and i like that because i haven't seen that on star trek cisco kind of has that and but it's, it's like a metaphor in a tinder basket yes <laughs> it's but, like a match in a you know it, it, the idea is that you know star trek and a lot of the writers go through really convoluted explanations to explain what's happening oh and and sometimes yeah. that direction with the captain with cisco was just like let's just get to the point and not waste a lot of time explaining what's metaphor. going on ours. yeah it, it's also what i miss in star trek um is that what's great about star trek is and it the harry mudd episode it, they did this and it made me happy is that a lot of times is that most times they figure out how to save the day by being clever mm. not just shooting and killing people right and that's what's amazing when they figure out like Hey, I have an idea how to trick Harry Mud, and let's all get together. And, and you're teamwork. like, yeah, and or just when somebody is someone's yeah. able to outthink their opponent, it feels good. And in this, Burnham fights a fucking Klingon with a batleth, and God she knows Vulcan how, martial arts. You but know, she didn't it's use very but useful. She barely used Vulcan martial arts. She used a batleth. Mm. I don't know that batleth is the Klingon sword thing. I don't know how the hell she's that good at it. She can hold herself up with a Klingon in hand-to-hand combat also. Other than, this is going to be a cool scene. Like, it was stupid. But that's fine because it moved quick. The other but thing the choreography is, was fantastic. That's what I just said. Yeah. It was stupid and it looked fine. <laughs> but like, You it, didn't use the technical term. Oh, Choreography is very important in this household. Oh, the Thank story. You. Like, but... <laughs> As a story, we like to see, we needed that because we needed to see her engage with that character and not just see that character get blown up. Mm-hmm. We needed to see a fight. Because we hate that dude. We, we hate him. Yes. We hate him for killing Giorgio, her mentor. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and we, needed to, we needed to see her kick his ass and not just blow up his ship. So I think it was very important to the story. But we don't really care about him or Giorgio. That's the problem. But in but once. They, he had to start speaking English when mm-hmm. she's a universal translator. Yeah, it sped up his fucking mind speed. four billion times more interesting mm-hmm. hearing from him and the other Klingons than it ever was. Hey, beforehand. Klingons, this is America. Speak English. <laughs> it's true. Like, it's also like Lorel when she was able to speak English, like immediately mm-hmm. became more appealing. And like you were like, oh, shit, this is great because they're not tripping over these words mm-hmm. and stuff. Koopa, kur, kur, and you're like 20 yes. minutes later, like, yeah. oh my God, Klingon Christmas Carol sucks. Uh-oh. Yeah, and, and at one point, and Mark and I were actually in uh, Klingon Christmas Carol, and we were given lines, and I was, they were like, your Klingon is impeccable. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, because it sounds a lot like Spanish. Thank you. Cole at one point said about Burnham, lock her up, and I was like, hell yeah, oh. dude. Because that's he where, really say that. Yeah, oh because God. like Burnham. 
or like Hillary Clinton, oh, Burnham is responsible for the deaths of several people. Okay, Look it up. Vince right. Foster was killed. So are we going to talk about Klingon Pizzagate or what? Uh, like. Uranium One. Look it up, people. It's true. Yeah, sheeple, wake up. Yes. So in the mirror universe, who will be sporting a goatee? I want Saru with a goatee. <laughs> the evil Spock goatee. Yeah. I think it'll just be that everyone uh, shaves... A landing strip into their pubes, <laughs> and that'll be, or maybe like around, like a goatee, like on top of the mm-hmm. dick, and then at the balls. And they're gonna be show like, us that. Yeah, okay. I mean, they've showed us Klingon titties. They got to whip out a dick at okay. some point, digging balls. Well, the mirror universe uh, implies that you know there are alternate universe versions of all the characters we've grown to love. Uh, so <laughs> yes. grown to like, we've grown to love these characters. Tolerate. No exist. To tolerate some so of them. <laughs> will, will Tilly be a bitch in? the mirror universe. She'll be smart and sophisticated and her hair will be straight. <laughs> you know. So well, we'll so will Michael have such a big mouth, you know. But okay, this She'll is be a captain. All right, but I have a question about Tilly. Uh when they're like um she'll be a sex pot. When they're like, "Oh, sorry, you know," and she's like, "Oh, I'm glad you told you about the side effects." And Wilson Cruz is like, "What? Side mm-hmm. effects?" And I was like, Shut your mouth. She has such a big mouth. But what side effects are they talking about? Well, that he was like, you know, White coming matter. back different things, but, coming back but remembering stuff. Do you, he Shaking, knew that. passing out. He had been running White around. Eyes. Not had, know, traveling through time. He had been singing Rent. Yeah, that wasn't one. He had been <laughs> running around in the Harry Mudd episode. He was crazy and high and whatever. And, and and Wilson Cruz was right there like, I'm sorry. This is how he's been ever since the spore drive yeah. or whatever. And then he did a full medical makeup or checkup on him and saw everything that was different. So until he says then, oh, I'm glad you told me about side effects. He's like, wait, what side effects? What the fuck? Are but you- then he quickly dismissed it because he kind of knew that he's like, oh, he's just trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. No, he said he said very I'm pointedly. Sure, he have good reasons for it. Not, yes, yeah. but he said that in like, oh, mm-hmm. no, but what he said, it was sarcastic. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm sure he had very good reasons for keeping it from me. And mm-hmm. it's like, what are, what are you talking about? Did you not see? Like, that's so weird with the Stamets character. The part where he became just this guy like high on mushrooms for two episodes is like, that didn't really happen, apparently. Like, Wilson Cruz doesn't remember that, and he doesn't remember that he just did all these medical uh, mm. checks on him and saw that everything was changing inside of him. What but side effects is he... They so don't remember, the though, because I don't think that he would remember that episode with um, Harry Mudd, right? Because they didn't remember each time they came back. No, so. he... But that wasn't the only episode. There were, I think there were two mm-hmm. episodes when he was acting like that because he was acting like that when they were brushing their teeth. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, he's like, I saw. He was like, it yeah. was great. But he didn't see that he did that thing in the mirror, I though. No, but that's not what so they that's said. The side they effect. said, okay, but there are several side effects. Yeah. Wilson Cruz, ta- I'm, I'm saying, what he is knows Tilly? Some of them. And I would like to know what side effect is Tilly talking about? In this then he part. came out and called her like captain, and then she was just like, uh, "I'm seeing things differently," or something like that. What? Or, and she's that maybe it was something like that. So he can see the future. But he said that he said that he saw the entire. He's like, I saw what the universe is made. He yeah. told Wilson, but Cruz he didn't that. say specifically that he can see the future. So that's not. They Ma- said Brian, Brian. I want to know what, what he's we want to know. About. What we Call really want to know. And ask her. She got a big mouth. She'll tell you. At the core of all this was Star Trek's first gay male kiss. Hot enough for you? No, you thought it was chilly and dry, and there was no lack tongue. passion. I like it when men choke each other hard while kissing, uh-huh. and so that they get all red yeah. and sweaty. Uh-huh. I like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I want like guys to be put in headlocks, and one guy's in an army uniform, and the other guy's a twink, and he's forced to go on the floor and give him twenty poundings in the asshole. That's what you want, just out of a kiss. Yeah, that's okay. what romance is. Sweetheart. I like that when the kisses involve them taking their t-shirts off. Yes, and rubbing dicks on bellies and dipping dicks in paint, <laughs> slapping them around. Yeah, di- dipping their dicks in paint, slapping them on their face, making war paint out of their dick paint. That's what love is. Uh, come never- to Colette, what, did you think the same-sex kiss was hot or not? I didn't think it was hot. I thought that it was lovely. I thought that it was appropriate pleasant. and pleasant. It did not get me moist, but I don't think that that was its job. Um, I was <laughs> disappointed, though, that we didn't see some action between Ash and Michael. Um, you know, they just, like, were snuggling in the fucking they bedroom. They have no chemistry. Yeah. They have absolutely no chemistry, those that those two actors. This you is don't true. Think, no. Oh, I think, I think you're like, being hard. Ash is yeah, cute, but he's, like, mad. I think when they did the time mad. travel, when they did the West Cock in the time loop, I thought they had that, some cute in chemistry. That, that, but that, that was because... But then when they were on the forest planet, it just didn't kind of... The forest planet and this. Ash is... Mm-hmm. The character is dull. Yeah. Or the, the actor is dull. Yeah, I don't think he's a very good actor. He's not an exciting The guy actor. who plays Ash? I think he's hot, but I don't think he's a, like, good actor. He's adorable. He's the Klingon we all He's want very, to, as a boyfriend. He's very, very cute, but he does not bring complexities to this character. Mark, uh, your thoughts on the same-sex kiss? Hot was, or not? You know, I, I agree with Colette. It was like it was very appropriate. It was like it was it was it was nice to see. It was like, but it wasn't like super hot and super sexy. Like it was just like it was a nice kiss between a a couple that have you know been together for a while. Yeah, there was nothing romantic. Like it would be the same thing if like any characters just grabbed someone and kissed and been like, "You're a genius." Like because yeah. it was that type of kiss. Mm-hmm. We've seen those type of kiss, and that's the problem. Like. There was no romance. It wasn't like the Kirk kiss or the like Ash and Burnham kiss. Mm-hmm. Like there was no romance set to it. Faster did it turn you on? Well, were you, uh, I you were know you thinking about that when you were. Kissing I think me uh, that in some ways, you know, uh, Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz's relationship mirrors ours <laughs> to some degree. Aww. So you know, I like seeing. Am I that one of the tie and mushrooms? I don't know. No, I just think that their their relationship mirrors ours. I don't think that like you and I have our equivalents in those two characters. Mm-hmm. But I think the fact that you and I sort of do a podcast and we're exploring mm-hmm. new universes and meeting Aww. quirky aliens like Colette and Brian, um, sort of uh, you know, I, I can relate together. to that. And we work we're together. Like, Colette and I are like Laurel and Ash. <laughs> Collect, I'm Ash. big armor I'm titties. I'm Ash. <laughs> my titties is soft. But my in terms of the, don't get it twisted. <laughs> but in, in terms of the kiss being sort of a groundbreaking or pioneering, I, I would actually argue that it's a very traditional way of portraying gay characters as sort of um, tragic figures. Um, certainly, you know, in the history of. Uh, gay or same-sex relationships in television and film, we usually have seen them as, you know, characters who are somebody's dying in, mm-hmm. or, you know, in the movie Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, the AIDS crisis, you know, sort of the AIDS crisis is, in, you know, in the Star Trek world, no longer a threat. So did Ren have any of that? And Ren definitely has, oh. you know, characters die, right? Really? Yeah. <laughs> gay characters? <laughs> Not of AIDS. Perish so, so it's interesting that they cast, intentionally cast, these two actors who are well known for playing these tragic roles on Broadway and in their work as as actors into these characters that ultimately have a tragic angle in at least right now so you know 
keep an eye on that because ultimately Stamets and uh, Wilson Cruz's uh, character, which I don't know his name, <laughs> the Puerto you, Rican doctor. Dr. Culver. Dr. Culver, Dr. Culver uh, are, are, may have a tragic story arc. Um, but every single character, aside from Tilly, is tragic. How, uh, Tilly a little tragic. Oh, they're all tragic because they're all sort of struggling? Well, Burnham tragic. is tragic. Well, because conflict is drama, so all characters mm-hmm. have to have it to be interesting, but uh, Burnham obviously is she's in jail for life. She killed she and started a war and um Stamets mm-hmm. and well no and then Lorca killed his entire crew and is all fucked up and uh Ash Tyler, all these people. Um Saru can't doesn't know a moment of peace. Mm-hmm. Like all of them. Yeah, um, a lot of them are like directionless. Yeah. So you're saying like in Discovery everyone's stressed out. Yeah, but that's what happens in long-running shows. Like, you can't have, like, you always have to have problems or else you don't have a story. How was that Guinan in in Next Generation? She seemed pretty chill. Because she was only there for exposition. She was barely, and she she was only a recurring character. Neelix was very happy. But he had problems, too. He was, like, the last, or he was with Kes, and then, and his character sucks. He was the only, one of the few survivors of the Talaxian Holocaust. Yeah, but think about how tragic it is. Light up his uh, Talaxian menorah anymore. The worst tragedy is he was yeah. on Voyager. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so, are you saying that like most characters on Star? I mean, would you say that uh, Kirk and Spock tend to be generally happy people? No, not when it comes to well, no. The entire th- thing is because conflict is in Naked Time. They show it perfectly. Spock never told his mother he loved her. Uh, Spock feels shame that he's human. He feels shame about his emotions. He doesn't fit in anywhere. He doesn't fit in with Vulcans because he's human. He doesn't fit in with humans because he's Vulcan. Uh, Kirk cannot... He Kirk gives everything he can to the ship. It's the only love that he will ever have is his ship. That's what he says. He says that he gives and he gives and the ship just takes and takes. And it's why he can't ever... Uh, relate or give himself to another person because he'll never ever find anyone that he loves more than the Enterprise. Well, why didn't he marry her then? The Enterprise? Because the because it was the sixties. They weren't going to go into the people that whatever the, I forget the people that marry. Well, it's interesting it because uh, you know in terms of a unconventional sexual relationship, you had Geordi falling in love with a holodeck character. Which was based on a real person mm, in real life, Dr. Leah Brahms. And when he actually meets her in real life, she's like, "What the, what the fuck is going on here?" You well, know? yeah, she found the hologram of her, and he's she like, was "Why like, are these tits really big? Yeah. And this ass so fat." She's like, "Jordy, you <laughs> fuck me?" She's like, "Come on, my face, Mister Reading Rainbow." And she's like, "What the fuck is this, Jordy?" He's like, "I can explain. I'm a pervert." And he just starts jacking off. That was a weird episode. Yeah. Well, I want to wish uh, happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners. All happy six, holidays, really. six of you guys. And I'm sorry <laughs> to the Native American listeners. Sorry, sorry. Well, it, it, Thanksgiving could be a, a, a chance for people to come together, and, mm. and you know, even though the history of the holiday might be built on something very ugly um ultimately it's uh, for people to come together and share food and stories and which is what this podcast is about and give thanks for the fall of the patriarchy <laughs> and garlic mashed potatoes mm-hmm. mashed well, potatoes and equality and we will be back till after christmas and new year so mm-hmm. you know merry christmas happy hanukkah uh, happy Kwanzaa. Yes. Happy, happy Klingon tax. Christmas. Mm-hmm. A, a most Kuch. victorious happy, Klingon Christmas. Happy Light Day. Mm-hmm. Kuch. Nah, Kuch. <laughs> 
and to the people of the planet Pavo, which Pavo is Spanish for Turkey. Mm. And so the next episode of Star Trek Discovery comes out uh, January 7th, so we'll figure out a day where we can uh, come back because our Feast of Fun podcast that we also do, we are on hiatus until... Let's see, what day is that going to be until uh, January 15th? But we might be able to come back uh, on the 8th or the 9th with an episode of this. And we'll see how we all feel. Before we go, Colette, Burnham wig update. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) How do you you feel about her hair and makeup? Uh, the makeup is looking better. I don't know if that's her skin is looking better or Maybe she if got it's some the of that makeup. new Fenty brand. Maybe yes. Yeah. I got my Fenty. Thank you, Rihanna. Uh, the wig just <laughs> looks like it's too puffy in the back. It's just it does not look like it's supposed to be kind of like a fade in the back, and it's just too puffy. But you know, we're moving in the right direction, so I'm just hopeful in the new year. You know, we'll get them tracks together. Yeah, so. I'm optimistic about the future of Discovery. I hope we're done with the Klingon, or I hope that they just sort of leave that in the past. I I'm I'm hoping the Klingon storyline or in the other universe the Klingon war mm-hmm. I I don't think it's gonna or maybe it'll be a mirror universe I don't know what's gonna happen well and it may not be you know it may be it's a universe but it may not be the uni- mirror universe that the other Star Trek people have traveled to because they you know there's many different universes yes. they could go to Infinite and maybe universe. and who knows uh maybe uh this maybe the universe they're traveling to now is the universe that Star Trek uh actually takes place in because season two they're saying which is it has been you know it's been renewed they say it's going to explore how the series connects to the original star trek shows so i wish that they would just episode, they, they may actually be traveling to the real universe i wish that they would just dun, dun, dun. i wish that they would just get rid of that and just make a great show and stop trying to fit into canon and all yeah. that stuff just Fuck do canon. just do like Battlestar galactica <laughs> just make a great show mm. don't worry so much about we'll forgive you if it's a great show and in the yeah. season finale we're all just angels oh that's what, that's what happened in battlestar galactica yeah. so they were like they finally answered the questions like what the hell who the hell is starbucks and she's like i'm an angel bye everybody my well, planet name leads me <laughs> do, 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 do. so everybody out there uh, during this holiday break i want you to take some time go to the uh, itunes music store or to where you find your podcast and leave us a, a nice review that's all we want for christmas What's that you know. That would be nice, you know. We have six ratings and uh, three reviews. And certainly, you know, a lot of people are, when they're, uh, we know you guys are very passionate about this uh, episode, this series, What the Trek, that we do here. And if you want to see more of that and uh, inspire us to continue doing this for you, uh, please uh, give us a little back and tell us, get, share some love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or please not. You know, and be like, you know, Brian Sweeney is... One of the greatest gifts to humanity. You're welcome, everyone. Colette, your wisdom Mm -hmm. is only uh, superseded by your charm and beauty. What are you thankful for, Colette? Um, I'm thankful for um, people slipping into my DMs. Um, So feel free, uh, people who listen to the show, holla at your girl. Um, Give me the gift of your package uh, this holiday season. You're horny. (laughs) Are you asking for dick pics? That is that. I mean, just, you know, your phone number and then we'll go from there. Okay. um, Well, you share share the good ones with us, okay? Always. All right. Mm -hmm. I like them. What do you think? for Brian, <laughs> you know. besides um, your girlfriend, my girlfriend, super, Mary, supernatural, Mary. Um, 
You guys, Colette, oh. my new best friend Colette, oh. uh, spending Jessie. Thanksgiving together in Gary, Indiana. Yes. Mm-hmm. What, um, you guys are gonna share, hang out together in Thanksgiving? Yes, mm-hmm. we ride hard. Yeah. And we're gonna uh, mm-hmm. eat Thanksgiving in Gary, Indiana. Yeah. Aw. Are no. you kidding me? Yeah, she was making a joke. Oh. <laughs> but, um,. <laughs> But, I just uh, it flew over my head. That's okay. Yes. What do you think for Fausto? Uh, I'm thankful for the fact that we're, uh, as a society, getting more conscious about injustice and violence and and the oppression of others. And certainly, you know, um, and I'm hoping that as a consequence of all this consciousness raising, it, that we can be more egalitarian in the near future mm. and not uh, just use this as a way to you know, post a status update that, mm. you know, gives me more followers on social media, which ultimately I think is an empty pursuit since it's just a matter of time before Facebook or Twitter goes the way of MySpace, And then there'll be something else to worry about how, who's following you and who's following you back. It's, you don't need to, you don't have, need to have more than a, you know, a small group of people that you're passionate about and care about in the real world not just virtually I in any know. situation my dopamine intake says different Mm-mm. what does your dopamine intake say uh every time that like i get a like or a follower or whatever or a star or i'm retweeted you get a little shot of dopamine you get endorphins in your brain that's why yeah. we like it it's why it's built that way well, yeah, it's reinforcement and, positive mm-hmm. reinforcement mm-hmm. sure and, and positive reinforcement can reinforce you know, constructive behavior and hopefully mm. all this social media can lead us to some, to more consciousness raising and, and community building. And, and certainly, you know, I'm very thankful for the people who listen to the podcast that Mark and I, you know, we just got back from Texas mm-hmm. and we got to meet uh, quite a few people who listen to every single episode we do. Um, and Brad is a huge fan of you, the two of you guys. Hey, oh, nothing but in you, Texas, Brad. but steers and queers and you don't look like no goddamn cowboy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brad. I'm so sorry. I wasn't necessarily Brian. talking to Brad. And everyone in Texas. Mm. I'm and sorry. I'm thankful for my husband and, and our little cute little dog, Jesse, who's Aww. licking his paw right Aww. now. Sweet little dog. I'm thankful you, for dogs. I saw a beagle Aww. when I was coming in. There was a lady who walked a beagle Aww. outside. And I was, was it so Porthos? It wasn't Porthos. I'm sure Porthos is dead, but <laughs> oh. yeah, the real dog. Long but, gone. I mean, it's almost been 20 years, but um, right. uh, yeah, I saw a beagle when I was walking in, so I was like, hey, it's going to be a good day. Oh, and now I have to give a shout out to my dog. Shout out to my Yorkie, Toffee. He just filmed his first movie role. Ooh. Uh, what? Yes, Auntie Toffee uh, did a, a student film. <laughs> for a Columbia College student on uh, on Sunday, and he played a therapy dog. Full nude, yes, I heard. Yes, yes. But it's He's wearing nothing but a harness. Yeah. But, oh, my yeah. God. Woof. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Mark, what about you, sweetie? I'm grateful for everybody out here who listens to this podcast and shares it on their social media and leaves a review on iTunes. And I'm grateful for these fine folks who come over uh, every week to record uh, a podcast on uh, Star Trek Discovery. And I'm sorry that uh, uh, Foxy Kim is here to join us as well. She's uh, she's our like uh, one of those cast members <laughs> who comes in when uh, Brian or Colette have been kidnapped by the Klingons. <laughs> she's our Klingons. Pinch she's and our I pinch was, hitter. I was injected with a sinus infection by the Maquis. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening, and uh, boldly go where no hoe has gone. What is it you say? Boldly ho. Where no, many men have gone before. Many hoes have gone before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Merry Christmas. See you next year. New Year. Thanksgiving.